I'm Thomas Umstead Jr. I am James L. Rubart, but please call me Jim. We have a special bonus episode of Novel Marketing for you. We did a live Q&A on Facebook, and we realized that not everyone has signed up for the email updates uh, from Novel Marketing. And you may not know about the occasional live Q&As that we do from time to time. And so this one we have decided uh, to give uh, to you on the main feed so you can listen to it afterwards. Now, uh, this Q&A was supposed to have uh, Jim, myself, <laughs> and Mary DeMuth, uh, but we had some technical difficulties and there was no Jim. <laughs> well, you could see me, but you you could not hear me. And one person at one point said, so is Jim, you know, going to contribute at all? And uh, we explained <laughs> that we did have, oh boy, uh, we actually just figured it out just before we recorded this, what the problem was. So hopefully it will never happen again. Yeah. Pro tip. If you're recording in Chrome, make sure in your operating system that the privacy settings are not set to block Chrome's microphone access. Uh, there is nothing you can do to fix it in Chrome. Uh, but anyway, uh, here is your, this is just the audio version. If you want to watch uh, this Hangout. Uh, you can do that on our Facebook group. And if you want to skip this episode, this bonus episode, you will not hurt our feelings. You're perfectly welcome to do that. We will be back uh, on our regularly scheduled episodes uh, next week. But this is a great episode because it's just a lot of different marketing questions, questions that a number of them, Thomas, I've never had before. And so I thought they were really good. And there's some really good information. And I can brag about the great info that Mary and Thomas shared since I didn't share any of it. Um, I, I think you'll get a lot out of it. So without any further ado, let's roll the January 2019 Q&A Facebook Live extravaganza. All right. Welcome to the Book Launch Live Q&A. I'm Thomas Umstadt Jr. And joining me today is James L. Rubart and Mary DeMuth. Uh, and we will be answering your questions about book marketing. And we're going to have a very special guest, uh, Mercy, my three-month-old daughter. And we're also going to be teaching you how to sell more books. Uh, but before that, Mary has an exciting announcement. Mary? It is so exciting. I am dying of excitement. So uh, one of the most, no, I am, I am. One of the most frequent questions we get is how to successfully launch your book. Specifically, what do you do in the month before and the month after your book comes out? This seems to be a huge mystery for folks. And all three of us who have designed this course have figured it out. We have sifted through all of that information and we are giving you the very best. Uh, how we decided to do that is a long time ago, I had this desire to create a course for launching your book. And I uh, was talking to Thomas and Jim about it in our mastermind, which is something really cool. If you don't have a mastermind, you really should. And uh, I was kind of thinking, well, I was overwhelmed with the thought of doing this all by myself. And they decided, hey, we want to jump on and help. And since they have great experience, uh, I thought, um, yes, this is awesome. So we were able to do this course a few months ago. We're only going to be offering it once a year now. So this is a come one, come all, and then no more launching for another year. Uh, this 21-day course will help you craft a custom blueprint for launching your next book. And it is interactive. We have a private group that talks to each other, and we also coach and mentor. And we will be communicating with you back and forth the entire 21 days of the course. And the registration for the course is closing soon. So this is not the kind of thing that you can take any time. 
to think about, you just got to do it. And uh, uh, we're only going to be doing this once a year, as I said before. You can learn more at booklaunch.fun. And uh, we will be getting to your questions. In fact, we're going to be giving away prizes. And uh, our first prize is going to be to someone who asks a good question. We're giving away a copy of my book table Pro. It's a $49 piece of software to help you sell more books on your website. And we're very excited uh, to go through this course with you. The thing we really want to emphasize, though, is that when registration closes, it closes because everyone is going through it together. So we've done this once before and we had a lot of people like the week after it closed being like, hey, can I still get in? And I'm like, no, sorry, everyone is already gone before you. And uh, we won't be doing this again until 2020, sometime in 2020. Uh, so this is your chance if you want to learn how to launch a book. And while we're waiting for those questions to come in, let's see if we can get my baby daughter here. I can introduce you uh, to Mercy. Uh, we'll see how she does on camera. Uh, here, here, hold on. So this is my daughter, Baby Mercy. So she is learning how to say hi right now. So Mercy, can you say hi? She has to be in a very special mood uh, to say hi. But uh, anyway, she's three months uh, going on four. No, I guess she's just three months old. Uh, I feel like she grows so fast, but uh, she's getting bigger and bigger and she's uh, trying to stand up. You can't really see she's standing on my desk. So anyway, uh, I promised that we would show the baby. We, if you listen to the Novel Marketing Podcast, we show her quite a bit. Or we, here, let me see if I can get a bigger screen here so you can see her better. Um, uh, we talk about Mercy quite a bit on the podcast, at least I do. And now <laughs> you get a chance to see her. Uh, so anyway, uh, thank you for amusing me or showing off uh, my baby. I'm not above using mercy to draw people in to the call. Uh, so, all right. So with that, let's get to some questions. Um, here's, here's a good question. So what we're going to do is we're going to put the question up on the screen and you can see it on the screen and we will answer it there. Uh, so here's a question from Andra Coleman Loy. Is the book launch only for those who want to indie publish? which Ooh. is a great question. And the answer is no. Uh, it's for both indie and um, traditional. I will say, though, that book launching is actually in some ways more important for traditional authors than it is for indie authors. And here's why. Barnes & Noble will order, if they're interested in your book and you're traditionally published, they'll order a whole bunch of copies. Let's hope. And if you sell through all of those copies in the first 30 days, they order more copies, which makes your publisher happy and might cause your publisher to put more money into marketing and gets that snowball uh, rolling down the hill and creating an avalanche. Here's what happens though, if Barnes & Noble does not sell all of the copies that they ordered, they send them back to your publisher. And typically at that point, your publisher gives up on your book and moves on to the next book. So for traditionally published authors, the launch is critical. There's things you can do as an indie author to salvage a failed launch. And you can do advertising and get more attention that way. But it is almost impossible if you're traditionally published to salvage a book that has failed to launch successfully. It's happened and I've seen it happen. It can happen. Don't give up hope. But often the better approach is to just go on to the next book if the launch doesn't go well. This is why uh, a good launch is so important and why having a blueprint and people to help you uh, know what to do and what not to do is so helpful. So Andrew, thank you for your question. 
Uh, feel free to post additional uh, question uh, or comments. So David Rawlings says, babies are the ultimate lead magnet. Uh, and <laughs> I couldn't agree more. I definitely was able to get a bunch of my family on this call because uh, they're always happy uh, to see baby Mercy. Uh, and uh, Naomi thinks that my baby's cute. Anyone who says that Mercy's cute gets their uh, picture up here on the uh, on the live screen. <laughs> so um, anyway, thank you all uh, for your comments. All right, so here is a question from Aaron Cavill. Uh, and he asks, how important is it to do live launch events simultaneously on multiple platforms if going wide, or is uh, it better to just do something on Facebook and direct people to their vendor of choice? Uh, so uh, I have some thoughts on this, but uh, Mary, I'm going to kick this to you because you're traditionally published and you're wide. Uh, what is it that you do during a launch? <laughs> I am wide. Uh, yeah. So I, uh, as he said, I um, I have it across many platforms in different places and uh, it seems to work, but there are times when you need a little bit more focus Um the Facebook platform is very powerful and I have found it to be helpful. One of the things that helps in going live on Facebook is if you already have an interest group, some sort of uh, launch team or group that you can target it to and ask them specifically to share it. So um, in your launch team, which is something that we're talking about in the course, uh, we give you some of those strategies of, hey, I made this live and now would you please share it? Uh, so the, uh, in Indie World, for those of you who don't know, what Aaron's referring to is sometimes there's an advantage to going exclusively with Amazon. They allow you to have some marketing tactics like making your book free for a time uh, and getting into Kindle Unlimited, which if you have a really long book uh, can be a really great source of revenue. And if you're choosing to use KDP Select, which is what that program is called, uh, just send people to Amazon because you're not allowed to send people anywhere else. Uh, that's the kind of the carrot and the stick. And they'll kick you out if they uh, see that your book is somewhere else. Uh, but there's advantages and disadvantages to both. We have a whole day inside of the Blueprint specifically talking about Amazon and Amazon strategies. Uh, in general, if you're just getting started, uh, going for KDP Select is easier and often will lead to more sales. But in the long run, there's a, a good argument to be made about going wide. Uh, that's what Joanna Penn does. And I uh, understand and believe her argument. So uh, our next question. Well, let me, oh, let me add, yeah. add something more to that. Um, I think what he's referring to is uh, whether you should have like one place that you're directing people to, like to a my book table, or if you should send them to all the different locales on the internet to buy it. And I will say from a traditionally published standpoint, my um, publishers definitely asked me to, on my page, uh, I'll create a website for the book. And on that page, I will have the buy buttons of all the different places. Um, because the people that run those entities like Barnes and Noble and Logos and Christian book distributors and all those other stores, books a million, they look at that and they get miffed if you don't have it. So that's um, another kind of nuance to that question. And, and one other advantage of using a service like my book tabled to create a landing page for your book with uh, buttons to the various stores is that you can have your affiliate link uh, attached to those buttons so that you actually get paid twice. You get paid by your publisher and you get paid by Amazon 
of the commission, which is an additional 4%. And you can get that additional 4 to 8% even if your book is published through Amazon. So Amazon will pay you with their left hand and they'll pay you with your right hand if you use a landing page service like my book table, which we will be giving away a copy here shortly uh, to one of you who asks a question. So do keep sending in your questions. Uh, Jennifer, uh, real quick, we have a question from Jennifer Rempel, but real quick, I just want to uh, remind everyone, registration for the Book Launch Blueprint is ending soon. You can find out more at booklaunch.fun. We have testimonials there. We have specific breakdown of what we're covering in each day. And uh, we have the sign up there. And patrons of the Novel Marketing Podcast save $100 on the course. Uh, so if uh, you're a patron, uh, log in to Novel Marketing to... <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> uh, log into Patreon to get that coupon, and and you find that at novelmarketing.com. All right. And also the uh, the close date for the registration is my birthday. So if anyone wants to know when my birthday is, they can uh, they can find out on the website. There you go. All right. Uh, Jennifer Rempel asks, uh, I might be able to get endorsements from some well known authors, but they don't write in my genre. Does that matter, Mary? It does matter, actually, um, because you're going to want to uh, leverage their audience. And if their audience is um, completely different than yours, it, the endorsement doesn't mean much anyway. I mean, if, if you, that's all that you can get, um, then that's all you can get. But trying to get some within your genre. And, and if it's something like you write romantic suspense and the person that is endorsing you writes historical fiction. I don't think that's too much of a leap um, in, in that sense, but it, it, in nonfiction, it gets a little weirder. So if you're writing a parenting book and and there's someone else that's written a courtship book, maybe um, those two endorsements or the endorsement for that may not be as important or people wouldn't see it, understand that it's an important endorsement. Another way to think of it is, is this person credible to your target reader? Like is the fact, first off, have they heard of that person? So if they're writing in a different genre, they're unlikely to have even heard of that person. And I will say, I don't put as a reader any stock in the endorsement of someone I have not heard of. If Seth Godin has endorsed your book, there's an 80% chance I'm gonna buy your book because I'm such a fan of Seth Godin. And so sometimes like if, uh, if you're writing a religious book and a celebrity religious person who wrote in a different category endorsed your book, that might work. If your target audience is like, oh, that mega church pastor is somebody I really look up to. But in general, I agree with what Mary just said. Um, you wanna have a good match there. And again, if you're writing sci-fi and a famous sci-fi author endorsed your book, sci-fi readers are more likely to recognize that sci-fi author. Um, great question here from David Rawlings. How important is real world uh, launch in the world of Facebook Live and other social media? Um, we talk about both of this in the blueprint actually. Uh, the best approach in my opinion is to do both where you host a uh, live event, uh, but this, depends on how many friends you have in your local area. Uh, the mm -hmm. biggest advantage of a live event is it's a great opportunity to sell books to your real world friends who may or may not buy a book otherwise. You get to sell them a paper copy to get, give them a signed copy. It's a really fun event. Um, and actually our next question is along those same lines. So I'm gonna throw the second question up on the screen and Mary, I'm gonna let you uh, give some thoughts as well. Uh, when you do a launch, do you do a live event or do you do it all online? Uh, either one, it just depends on the particular book. 
All right. So Zach Russell uh, says, how do you fill the time for a launch party? Example, Thomas <laughs> had a dance since he wrote a dating book. I write sci-fi, so I could take my friends on a rocket ship. Uh, <laughs> I think what is should. the more uh, common party <laughs> ideas? Um, so I love this. Uh, parties can be fun, just people interacting with each other. I know introverted authors like, I don't know. But believe it or not, if you can invite some of your fun friends who are good at interacting with strangers, that alone can be interesting because this is a party and that can be enough of a draw. So I will say, while I had a dance at my um, book launch, only maybe half the people danced. Everyone else just hung out and chit-chatted. And it was a great opportunity for the community to come together and for people to meet new folks. Um, but you could have a screening of a popular sci-fi movie. You know, So there's the party part and then there's a screening and you put up on a projector uh, you know, the, the, some movie that you're all watching, or uh, you can have it themed. So I, ha I actually did this I, for my, or my wife did this for me for my birthday. Uh, we had a Tron party, and we got all, we filled the house full of black lights, and we put on Tron playing in the background, muted, and then we had the music of the party being the soundtrack from Tron or Tron Two, the one that's got this really great sci-fi Daft Punk music, and we just had that album playing on loop with Tron playing silently in the background and it just gave the whole party this really fun sci-fi aesthetic and everyone knew to wear blacklight clothes, clothes that worked well in blacklight. And we had special like drinks that we made that glowed in the blacklight. And it was really fun and it didn't cost very much money. I think we spent $30 on the blacklights and uh, we were able to get a lot of really great, um, cause we just got the bulbs and we used regular lamps. So um, that, those are some ideas. These sort of brainstorming though, is what we do in the blueprint on the Facebook group. So you may be like, okay, I understand this general principle, but how do I apply it for myself? How do I apply it in my book? And you don't just get suggestions from me and Mary and Jim, but you also get suggestions from the other students. And let me tell you, we have had some brilliant students going through this course. And some of the most brilliant students from the last time we went through the course are going to be like teacher's assistants giving you coaching this time. So you really are gonna have an amazing group of mentors uh, to help you through this process. Uh, Clint Hall says, great URL, uh, thank you. Uh, we, we appreciate that. And so I'll use that as an excuse to throw up the URL. Once again, booklaunch.fun. If you want to learn more about the course, we have all of the information there. Uh, we'd love to have you uh, go through the course with us uh, and help you have the best launch you've ever had in your career. All right, we have another question from Aaron Cavili, who asks, uh, Mary, can you read this in my voice? I need a break. <laughs> uh, I have to look over here. Um, I have two stinker books from before taking the craft more seriously, including taking the five-year author course, where should they play in my marketing? Should I try using them or hiding them away in the closet? I'm not ready to go back and rewrite them at this point. Uh, great question. And I would say it depends on how much of a stinker they are. Uh, because <laughs> sometimes if you have books that weren't as popular, you can kind of give them away as prizes. But if they are not a good example of your current writing, if, especially if they're boring, um, I think that they actually could turn people away uh, from your writing. Uh, so we actually did an episode on novel marketing uh, on how to relaunch a book. We did this with Chris Fox. If somebody uh, wants to post that uh, uh, episode number in the comments, I'd really appreciate it. We'll put, throw that up onto the screen. Yeah, but there's a whole approach to this. And Chris Fox has a whole book that he wrote. And this is one of the advantages of being indie, frankly. It's really hard to relaunch a book if you're traditionally published because it's locked up in 
a lot of legal issues and um the, the, it may not make sense financially for a traditional publisher to relaunch a failing book. For them, it makes more sense to try for a fresh book. But as an indie, you can kind of revisit these older books, you know, liven them up with your craft. And uh, I do want to say thank you for the shout out for the five-year course. Uh, a lot of people think that the five-year plan for becoming a best-selling author is all about marketing. And believe it or not, uh, it's not. It's mostly about how to write the kind of book people want to read and how to become a better writer because good marketing helps a bad book fail faster. <laughs> uh, as we, hey, I want to, I want to jump in on this as well. Um, yeah. I, I just had this experience this week as I was working on the background of Amazon and all my books there. And I came across a couple of uh, self-published ones that I thought, you know, they're not really selling and I'm not really proud of them anymore and I'm just going to delete them. And so I did. And um, I feel really good about that because I want to have um, my best foot forward. And if someone downloaded that book, um, these were on Kindle uh, and was really disappointed, then I would lose them forever. So I thought to myself, it's not worth the 99 cents or the, you know, $2 and 28 cents it would have been uh, to lose a customer for life. So um, yeah, I would definitely just, here's the thing that I've learned about publishing. You are always gloriously going forward. Uh, your job is to um, learn from the past and then move forward with joy. And sometimes that means putting some things on the back burner. Now, if you feel like the content was worthy and uh, people actually need it, and there's a felt need out there, then rewrite the entire thing. But if you feel like, okay, you said that, but it didn't, you didn't execute it well, and no one's talking about this topic, let it go, put it in the drawer, and move on. Um, the best authors and the ones that are the most successful are the ones that continue to write. And the best ones are the ones that learn from their past mistakes, incorporate that into their new writing and move forward. And I would definitely agree with Thomas that a better written book or a well-written book is going to do better in the market than a poorly written book, obviously. Um, and that's kind of how I've been doing things. I, I just have been editing my 40th book today and, uh, it's been fun to see the fact that I have grown since my first book. I can definitely see a huge arc of growth from that first book to this book and uh, really grateful to let go of some of those past books and um, just keep gloriously moving forward. All right, Zach Russell uh, came through for us in clutch. Uh, thank you, Zach. The episode on how to relaunch a book is episode 134. So just go to Novel Marketing 134, and that's how to fix it. Um, but uh, Mir, you bring up a really great point that sometimes fixing it is not the answer. You just make it go away. <laughs> and, <laughs> you let uh, it go. <laughs> and, and that can be hard, right? Uh, to kind of put that old stuff uh, away. But um, and in, in another sense, it's really good because it's in, it's showing how you've grown in your craft and how you've gotten better at um, writing, and um, which is what we want, right? Ultimately, we want to grow. It, it's about beating yourself last yesterday and beating yourself last year. And one of the areas that a lot of authors need that help with is on... Uh, you know, launching the book, that initial kickoff, you know, it can be really discouraging when you're launching a book and it's crickets everywhere. And that's why we created this book blueprint that you can find at booklaunch.fun. 
<laughs> which is a great uh, URL that we got that we got, and it's got all of the information. And again, if you're a patron of the Novel Marketing Podcast, which only costs two dollars a month, you can save one hundred dollars on the course, uh, and you can find out more about that at novelmarketing.com. Just click on the patron, uh, become a patron uh, link in the menu. Uh, we have another question from Aaron. Let me put this up on the screen. It's I'm just now. Yeah, uh, we need more questions. Uh, this uh, this session ends when we run out of questions. So uh, do give us your questions. He says, I'm just now starting to get a beta reader slash street team together. What are some helpful things that they can do besides spreading the word? So Aaron, this is actually a big theme of the blueprint. We have an entire day dedicated to launch teams and then a second bonus day dedicated to launch teams. This is one of the, uh, we'll give you some highlights here, but this is one of the big advantages of going through the courses that we really get into the nitty gritty details on how to uh, work with a launch team. Uh, I, I do see uh, beta readers and the launch team as being separate. Sometimes people are really good at giving you feedback on how to make your book better, but they're not necessarily very influential. They don't have a lot of friends and they're not very well connected and them helping you promote your book doesn't help very much. Or maybe they're not at all interested in that. And conversely, you know, you may have a real social friend who if they recommend a book, a hundred of their friends will read it, but they would be useless as a beta reader. And so don't, I wouldn't have these groups be the same. I'd allow people to be members of both. And I had people as members of both um, of, uh, for my book. In fact, I had a research team that was even earlier than the beta readers. And I had some super passionate people who were, you know, research team and then beta readers and then launch team. And they really helped make the book uh, successful. But don't expect everyone to be that passionate or that uh, engaged. Uh, so Mary, what are some suggestions? What are some things they can do besides just spreading the word? Yeah, so the thing that I've learned about launch teams is um, not to be lackadaisical about them and to throw things up on the page and say, hey, could you, could everybody share this? Um, specifically asking is a huge thing that we can do. And um, one of the things that was really helpful for me was to assign roles uh, about a week after the launch team was formed. As I started seeing people in the interact in the launch team, I could see, oh, that person's really good at creating graphics, or this person's a loudmouth and has 4,000 friends. And so I'm going to create, they're going to be the social media queen. And this one over here is going to be the artistic king. And this one over here is going to be the ruler of all um, LinkedIn accounts or whatever, however you want to create it um, and however you want to frame it. But by giving people specific roles and um, so that you don't have to have all those roles really helps with a launch team, especially when you're asking. And, and there's a, a verse in Proverbs that says, let another promote you, not the words of your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. And to me, that's kind of my philosophy of launching a book is having other people praise you is more effective than you constantly tooting your horn. Uh, that is really good. We have a winner. Our first winner for a free copy of uh, My Book Table is Aaron Cavill. Uh, you entered the most times and you won. Congratulations. Uh, we will we'll do another drawing uh, for another copy of My Book Table. Uh, but to be entered to win, you must ask a question. It doesn't have to be a good question. It doesn't even have to be a question that we answer on the show. Uh, but bonus points if you do. Uh, Aaron has a question, uh, another question. So way to go, Aaron is asking. We have questions from others. So, uh, we're taking them in the order that they're asked. Uh, so Aaron asks, what are your thoughts on including an author bio and photo on the back cover? 
Uh, some authors in my genre do it, some don't. I think that you'll find almost all traditionally published authors will include a bio in a photo. Uh, the Typically when this is not done is when someone is hiding for one reason or another. So maybe they're writing under a pseudonym. I, was, I got a book proposal from somebody who could have legal repercussions uh, and their life could be ruined if what they did came out, but they want to write about it. And so they probably wouldn't want to include a bio uh, on the back of their book. I didn't sign this author, by the way. <laughs> uh, um, but, uh, or let's say you're a man and you're writing romance and you want that to be hidden. You may um, not include a photo. Uh, but even then, you may still include a bio and you just have your like initials. Uh, so I think that it helps um, give people something to connect to. Mary, you may have different thoughts. What, what are your thoughts? No, I 100% agree with what you said. Having a face on the back is important um, and owning who you are. I'm not really wild about uh, pseudonyms. I feel like if you really want to say something, it has a lot more power if you put your name behind it. And um, I, I get kind of frustrated when I turn a book to the other side and read a bio, but don't see a picture. I would really like to see a picture and be sure that that picture is professional, not like some Photoshop thing where you cut your husband out and it's only half your head. And, and be sure you, <laughs> these days there's no excuse for not having a, a digital, you know, really nice photo. This really is important. Invest in a good headshot because this isn't just for your book. It's for your social media. It's for your website. A good headshot really helps uh, establish your credibility, frankly. Um, yep. and, and maybe unfair, right? It shouldn't matter. Uh, I was uh, reading a book about the science of uh, success and they were doing studies on musicians and the musicians who added all these flourishes, right? The pianists who banged on the piano really hard and did their hands up real big were considered better musicians even when their music was identical because of all of those flourishes. And those things really shouldn't matter, but they do because we're human. And you want humans to read your book, not uh, emotionless robots. <laughs> and humans like books written by hum humans. All right, David Rawlings asks a question. Can you stagger launch events over a period of time, say weeks, rather than one specific date? And David, this is an excellent question. And our blueprint is actually built around this very thing. So during the blueprint, you're going to be putting together a schedule, uh, what's called a media calendar, and you're building up to the launch. So you're going to have a bunch of events coming out to launch day, and then a sequence of events after that. So the blueprint has got kind of a core two-month window, so the month before and the month after. Uh, there's no law that that's how you have to do it, though. You can start sooner and you can go longer, especially if you're seeing success uh, you're going to want to go longer after that. But yeah, you don't want everything to happen on that one day. You do want launch day to be big. You want mm -hmm. to try to get as good of a ranking on Amazon as possible. If you can hit a bestseller list, that's going to make everything in the future easier, right? If you can slap that New York Times bestselling book on the cover of your book, you'll be able to sell more copies into the future. So you want a good, strong launch. But no, this is not about one epic day. Uh, this is not a sprint. It's a marathon. And the blueprint is all about you building the right kind of uh, strategy for you. Uh, we're very big on playing to your strengths. A launch is not the time to create new strengths. It's not the time mm -hmm. to learn brand new skills. If you've never spoken in public before, you do not want public speaking to be a big part of your launch. 
This is about working with what you have and with, with who you are. And so uh, we're gonna give you lots of ideas, not because we want you to use all of those ideas. Basically what we're doing is we're giving you a fully stocked pantry of ingredients and a fully stocked refrigerator full of ingredients. And we are giving you a series of recipes. We are not wanting you to use every ingredient on every recipe. We're wanting you to be like, ooh, you know, egg foo young sounds good. I like Chinese food and I like eggs. Let's do that. And so you use the ingredients specifically for that. And that's, I think, what makes this course so useful is because uh, there's all this coaching that helps you figure out what to use and how to adapt it specifically for you in your book from the other students, from the students who've come before you and from Mary, Jim and myself. Uh, so great question, David. And again, it's booklaunch.fun is the website. If somebody wants to post that in the chat uh, for people who want to click on it, uh, we would love to have that. Um, we have a question from Mary Kate Clark. She asks, I ended up launching my book at the same time I had an EMG back surgery. So nothing went as planned without relaunching. Is there anything I can do to recover from this poor launch? So first off, Mary Kate, I'm sorry. That is really unfortunate uh, and bad timing. And uh, that is, you know, sometimes things just work out that way. Uh, this isn't a good example of why a strong launch is so important uh, because yeah, she's kind of stepping up to the plate with one strike against her. Uh, fortunately, you can still hit a home run with one strike against you. Uh, relaunching is a strategy. The other thing you might consider is an advertising play. So if your book is independently published, you may try doing Amazon ads. Uh, Amazon ads, if they're done well, can lead to very good organic long-term sales. They're not very spiky. Typically, it's very flat, but it can be very good and it can build on itself. And we have several episodes on novel marketing on Amazon advertising. Um, we did one on advertising in general and a couple where we interviewed various experts on Amazon advertising. So if I were to give you one tip, uh, that would be it. Uh, Mary, uh, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, so you can start to think like a PR expert with your book. And if there is some sort of really cool news um, piece that happens that has to do with the subject or um, the, you know, the subject of your book, then you can kind of do a mini relaunch based on that. Um, for instance, I'm writing a book about sexual abuse and I have, um, I anticipate that I will do a very big launch with that book, but I also anticipate that there will be little spikes in sales as that issue comes to the forefront and I establish myself as an expert in that area. And so if you're writing nonfiction and you have some sort of, you know, area that you're an expert in, you can always be working on your PR. If you're writing fiction, um, then I think, and if you're you're independently published, a relaunch is possible. Um, absolutely. The only thing that could be negative is if you have a list and they've heard it already before. So you might even consider creating a new list or finding a new lost leader for a list and relaunching with that new list because you don't want to bore your people that you've already launched, you know, before with. Great question. And as I should just do this between every question, booklaunch.fun, go yeah. there. It's, it's where if, the, if you're finding this helpful, if you would like our coaching to help you really put together a plan that you can then put into practice, do go to booklaunch.fun. Uh, join the course. Registration is ending uh, soon. So we're on, we only do this on once birthday. a year. <laughs> it's ending on uh, Mary's birthday. Uh, so we do hope that you come through the course. Uh, we have a question from Jennifer Rempel. And she asks, how important is it to make a book video 
for marketing. And uh, I'm going to say not very important. Uh, it can be useful. Uh, and again, this this comes down to play to your strengths. So some people, like if you're from Hollywood or from LA and um, book marketing <laughs> is your thing, or sorry, video is your thing and you're, you've got a good setup or you know like the essence of three-point lighting and you know how to have a good microphone, sure. Uh, make a video and it could be a very useful asset. If you had no idea what I was talking about with three-point lighting and you're hoping that you're just gonna hold up your camera on your phone and make a good video, this may not be the right technique for you. Um, uh, so uh, book, book trailers are not that effective uh, in selling books because watching a video is such a different activity from reading a book. Uh, book trailers are really good um, for, uh, you know, movies, selling movies, because watching a movie is the same kind of activity as reading a book. Uh, Mary, I know you've made some very effective videos for your books. Uh, what is your, uh, what are your thoughts here? My main thought is that you shouldn't spend a lot of money on it because you're not going to get your return on investment. But um, if you can acquaint yourself with good video technique, um, you can, you can do pretty well. I had a cinematic trailer done by someone who is a a PBS uh, producer, which that one turned out great. <laughs> Still very proud of that one. But uh, for instance, I'll be creating one that's going to be crowdsourced for my next book where I'm going to have people say something um, in the long, long screen. <laughs> and I'm going to piece those together with a soundtrack beneath and um, black and white, everybody. And I have a feeling it could be very impactful because I'm thinking not in terms of how can I sell this book, but how can I make something that is some content that is viral? So I always have to think about how will this bless my particular audience? Will this resonate with them? So I'm not thinking necessarily about, hey, buy my book. I'm thinking, how can the content from my book, in this case, sexual abuse, you know, recovery and how the church can be a better place for it? Um, I am thinking about the people that need to, that are going to be wowed by something that I'm going to create. So uh, think you have to think out of the box in terms of um, creating a video that you actually would like to watch. It has to be short. Um, don't go beyond three minutes. You're going to bore the people to death. And, and also um, I would caution you against hiring one of those like book trailer companies. Uh, it's, usually overpriced and it's usually just um, that Ken Burns effect with a photo over and over with different photos and some uh, voiceover and music behind it. Nobody watches those and no one cares. The question is, do people want to receive this message that you're going to give? Is it a compelling message? Will it change their lives? Will it benefit them? It's all about marketing. And so that's, that's what I have to say about that. Yeah. One, one final thing. It also matters if it's fiction or nonfiction. Yes. And so yes. it's a lot easier to make a book trailer compelling uh, for nonfiction because you're making a case. You're like if you have a TED talk on the topic of your book, man, that's great, right? Because they watch that TED talk. It breaks some of the rules, right? Because it's longer, but it's it's very tightly connected and can help uh, sell it. Whereas if your book is a romance, you know, what is your video about, right? It makes it really tricky. Um, so we have a very important question here from Clint Hall. I'm, uh, he, he asks, Rams or Patriots? Uh, so we can't say <laughs> what this is for because the NFL uh, is very difficult about um, the use of the name of the game on uh, television. You have to pay them money. So, uh, but apparently the Rams and the Patriots are playing a game against each other. Mary, uh, who are you rooting for? <laughs> the Seahawks. 
And, and my answer is I'm rooting for the University of Texas Longhorns, which I think uh, will be ready to make it into the NFL. No, I, I'm torn because I'm used to rooting against the Patriots as a rule. And I also, as a good Texan, I'm used to rooting against any team from California because those are our two rival states, New, uh, New York, which the Patriots aren't really from New York, but they're from that region and anyway. So I'm torn, but I'll probably be rooting for the Rams if I watch the game. <laughs> I'm more of a college football person. Um, all right. So mm -hmm. uh, I should uh, mention booklaunch.fun if you would like uh, to get the course before it closes. And if you want to save $100 on the course, you can become a patron of Novel Marketing. It is $2 a month. You can cancel at any time. So uh, there is a way to save quite a bit of money on the course. And our patrons, I should say, get access to a special Q&A podcast episode every month. So again, a lot of coaching to help you get your questions answered. Speaking of questions, our next question is from John Daleski. And he asks, uh, one author friend said she needed at least 50 five-star reviews on Amazon. So she held online parties, giving away lots of free stuff. Is that really true? And is that a good approach? Great question, John. So there's nothing magical about 500 reviews on Amazon. The Did general you say rule. 50 or 500. Sorry, sorry 50. <laughs> yeah, because 500 would be amazing. <laughs> right. Um, no, 50. Uh, generally speaking, readers like to see lots of reviews. Uh, I have a lot more confidence in a book with 5,000 reviews than I do with a book with 50 reviews, and more with 50 than with five. I was uh, There was a book Jim recommended. Um, it was uh, 12 Principles for Life by, um, I forget the guy's name. Jordan Peterson. Uh, Jordan Peterson. And the book had 20,000 reviews, almost all of which were five, five stars and four stars. And I was like, wow, 20,000 reviews. You know, that is a lot of book sales. <laughs> that's, that's just reviews. There must be something here. And the number of reviews uh, was very important to me. And I will say, especially for younger people, look more at the number of reviews than the number of stars. Now, I will say, uh, with reviews, they need to look real. You don't want this to be like getting a tooth replaced and it's way wider than all the other teeth around it where it just pops and suddenly they're like, I think that's a fake tooth. Like when you get a tooth replaced, they they stain it to match your other teeth and the reviews need to look real. And yeah, finally, real. <laughs> yeah, they need to be real and giving awards and prizes and bribes, bribing people to leave you five-star reviews is against the rules. So Mary, I know you have a lot of experience with this. Well, we have to be really careful because Amazon will take down fake reviews and they will sometimes not approve reviews that when people didn't buy the book on Amazon. So uh, one of the more powerful reviews is a verified buyer and a verified buyer is someone who actually went to Amazon and bought the book and then they were able to review it. What happens a lot on launch teams is you, um, the publisher may make available a PDF for people to read, uh, but I always ask my launch team people to buy the book as well because um, those are going to be actual reviews. Uh, it's also a requirement I, I kind of have people sign a covenant when they join my launch team that if they join and if they're part of it, that they will write a review. I don't care what the review says. It can say that it's the worst book in the whole wide world. I literally don't care. But um, part of the covenant of being a part of my uh, launch team is that you do agree to write a review. And um, so, yeah, reviews are very important, but bribing is not good. And uh, it's a kind of a backhanded practice. And uh, I can usually see through those, like uh, just talking about Amazon in 
you know, just in normal terms of everyday products, I was looking for something to buy my daughter just this week. And there was one product that had um, like maybe only 10 reviews and all of them looked almost exactly the same. And I was like, I'm not going to buy that because it's, it's, it's unreliable. So we need to be very careful and we want to be honest as authors uh, when we uh, ask people to review. Yeah, uh, that's really key. And I, I do want to say we're not with this book launch um, blueprint that you can find out more about at booklaunch.fun. Uh, we are will not be advocating any black cat techniques. We're not right. doing any dirty tricks. And uh, bribing people to review your book is what I would consider a dirty trick. Um, just because a lot of authors do it doesn't mean that it's not a, a dirty trick. And with, with the launch team, what you're really wanting is Gideon's 300. You're not wanting a lot of kind of lackadaisical folks. You're wanting a small core group. It's almost like the SEAL team, right? Like, what do you do when you need to take out Osama bin Laden? You don't send in a whole army. You send in a handful of people who really are dedicated and trained and know what they're doing. That's what you want with the launch team. And one of the ways that I recommend doing this is have people buy your book as a requirement to be in the launch team. Uh, and that they're expected to buy. So they're not there for a free book. They're not hanging out. Oh, if I you know post a few things on Facebook, I can get a free book. Those are not the people you want. You want the dedicated folks. And I will say, this is what I did for my book. We had a Kickstarter. We launched the book on Kickstarter first, which here's a hack. If you do a Kickstarter for your book, you actually get to launch it twice because you have the mm -hmm. Kickstarter launch and then you have the launch launch. And one of the higher tier rewards in Kickstarter was getting to be in the launch team. And I think people paid $50 to be in the launch team. They bought the book and they got the signed copy and they were uh, added to the launch team. And these people were dedicated. Like I had one person on my launch team bought a case of books and mailed them to journalists that he respected and influencers that he respected. And that turned into interviews that turned into um, media mentions. And those are the sorts of people you want for your launch team, the dedicated few, um, not the folks that you have to bribe with cookies in order to leave you a review. Um, all right. A uh, new question from Tara Ross. She says, newbie with Facebook Live, finally found the right page to post on. Is it too early to join the course if I'm not launching until early 2020? Uh, it is not too early. In fact, in some ways it's gonna be easier for you because there's a lot of preparation uh, to a good launch. And uh, some people do go through the course and like they're launching a few weeks after the course and that's exhausting because there's mm -hmm. the learning how to do it and then the doing of the doing it. And uh, this is actually pretty good timing. So the course starts on February 11th and goes through March um, 3rd or 4th. I don't remember the exact date. Somebody can go to booklaunch.live and post them in the in the comments. Um, booklaunch.fun, Thomas. Sorry, booklaunch.fun. Oh no, not again. <laughs> um, so, uh, uh, you'll have all of that time to prepare and you'll have more time to do things like building your email list and getting your website up and running. Uh, that bigger that email list is, we have a whole day on email. Man, you have a lot of really good time to put in what we teach into practice on building your email list, which will help you have a much stronger launch. If you're launching you know, five weeks from now, there's a lot you can do with the email list you have, but it's hard to build an email list quickly. Uh, so great question. Uh, also- As well? Yeah, but real quick, I want to say, we don't know when we're doing this in 2020. So we may not do this course again until fall 2020. And so if your book is coming out spring 2020, another reason to take the course now is that this may be the only chance to do it. We haven't picked a time yet for when to do it next year. Mary. That's right. We haven't. Um, 
one of the things that I'm learning as I, I, you know, I'm, I've been launching lots of books and I have a big one launching in August and I still feel I'm unready or non-ready uh, for this because it's one of the, it's the biggest launch that I will ever do. And so I am here in January strategizing for how I'm going to launch in August. And so jumping on before you launch your book, even if it's like eight months before or a year before is actually a really good practice because we're teaching you marketing, we're teaching you email list building, we're teaching you all the skills that you need, um, all the, the tricks that we've learned. And uh, you'll be able to try them on instead of just panicky and just trying everything on, you'll be able to try them on at your own pace and figure out what works best for you. And that's another thing about this course is that this we've created um, this blueprint. Well, we haven't created it. We've created the framework of the blueprint. And then you are going to create your own blueprint about how you would like to specifically launch your book. And let me tell you this, if you're going to be traditionally published and you go through this course, you will impress your publisher if you come to them with your media calendar, if you come to them with your blueprint and say, I, okay, five months out, we're five months out from launching the book. These are the things I'm already doing. I'm uh, building my email list. I was at 1,000, now I'm at 1,500. Next month, my goal is to be at 2,000. Uh, this is what I'm actively doing. You will, um, you will make them so happy. So yes, you can take this course prior to your book launching, even up to a year, I would say that um, it'll give you enough time to really incorporate what, you're, what we'll be teaching you. Excellent question. We have a new question from Zach Russell. He says, you mentioned in the podcast that your friends who post Amazon reviews uh, should pre-order slash purchase the book. So it's labeled a verified purchase, but also that you want your reviews to post on launch day. So do you sneak them an ebook copy before they receive uh, their pre-order paperback? Um, great question. Mary and I may have different answers to this. I'll, I'll answer it quick and then I'll kick it to her. Uh, for me, some of the people on my launch team are also beta readers. So they did read earlier drafts of the books. They may not have seen the final version, but they saw earlier drafts. And so there was some initial reviews, but I, I'm okay personally with reviews trickling in in a more organic way. Uh, and hopefully again, this Gideon's 300, they'll read your book in a day or two. Like they're excited to get it and they're gonna read it and they're really gonna go after it. Also, Amazon also often ships the book early if somebody pre-orders. Uh, so um, those are some of my thoughts. Mary, how do you navigate this? Yeah, well, in the past, what I've done is uh, the publisher is given a PDF of the book and folks can read it that way. But I, I think I've changed my idea and strategy about this. So I think um, you're right. I think they need to buy the book first. And I also believe that um, you have to trust in organics that uh, having things come in at a normal rate uh, causes Amazon not to flag you. Um, if you suddenly have 100 reviews on the first day, I think it can cause Amazon to look at you funny. So um, it's good to have a lot of reviews. Don't get me wrong. That's really awesome. But uh, you also have to trust the process. And uh, we are not the Wizard of Oz pulling strings behind a curtain. We uh, are levers, actually, not strings. <laughs> Let me get this right. Uh, there's work. This is work. And there's asking. There's lots of asking. And there's confidence you have to build about your product because you have to be confident enough in your, in your book to ask people to do things for you. And, and we talk a little bit about that as well. 
And this is not about launch day. It's about that launch window. And so a lot of people are like at the day of all these things have to happen. And that's that's not the case. It's different in the music industry where like day of a lot of it's much more important that there's a like everyone is humming your song on the same day uh, in book world. It's not that way. In fact, it's even less that way than I would say in movies. Like with movies, it's about that launch weekend with, with books. It's about the launch month because it takes people time to read books. Uh, Naomi had a comment. This wasn't a question, but I want to throw it up here. Uh, she said, Tara, I took this course a month before my release and I would have loved a year to prepare. I say do it! Exclamation point. So <laughs> thank nice. you so much uh, for that comment. And if you want to see comments of our other students, um, I think we had feedback from a good percentage of the students who came through the course last year, posted uh, thoughts, and we'll have uh, a lot of them on uh, booklaunch.fun, and you can read them or watch them. Some of them are videos. And we also uh, will have an email coming out with even more of those uh, soon. Uh, so uh, Andra says, similar to Tara, wondering at what point in completing of my novel is a good time to take your course. Um, I would say it's a good idea to finish your first draft mm -hmm. uh, before taking the course, uh, because uh, especially if it's your first novel, because you never know how long it's going to take you to write a novel. Uh, until you write your first one. Uh, if you're an experienced writer, like Mary and I have friends who write a novel in a month, you know, three weeks, they do mm -hmm. the first draft, and then they're done with the second draft after a month. And for them, you know, you just take it uh, <laughs> right away. But if you've been working on this novel for two years, and you think you're almost done, but you're not quite ready, I wouldn't sign up for the course yet, I would wait until next year. Um, but if you have that first draft ready, and it's just editing at this point, I do think that this is a good time, especially if you're indie published, you can be editing your book while and sending it back and forth with your editors while you're preparing for your launch. Uh, Mary, what are your thoughts? I agree. It's kind of like the same thing when you're querying an agent. You, uh, For nonfiction, it's a proposal in three chapters. For fiction, it's always that the first draft or the final draft is done. And so there's, it's not, those are two different beasts. Novels are not easy to write and it's hard to pull off a good ending. It's hard to pull off the messy middle. And uh, so, yeah, complete it first and then, um, and then take the course. All right. Our next questions from David. Thank you for all these great questions, everyone. This uh, is really fun. We really enjoy answering your questions. And again, I, I, I should mention, take take down his questions. We're not there yet. Booklaunch.fun. <laughs> Go there. Uh, sign up. Sign up for the course uh, to learn more. All right. Okay. So David asks, what is the preferred slash best time of the day for holding a Facebook Live session? Obviously, it's Thursday, January 24th, 2018 at exactly 3 p.m. Central Time, because that is the time we picked, and that is the perfect time. Uh, the answer is uh, it depends on your audience. Um, so if you're most people um, are targeting like corporate workers, people who work in corporations, and those people tend to do most of their Facebooking while at work. This is the dirty little secret. You're not the only one who does Facebook at work. Everyone does Facebook at work. So like during the workday, um, it may be ideal. Um, Facebook usage is lower in the weekends. Uh, but again, it really depends on your audience. And so you may, uh, during some of the lead up to the event, poll your audience. Um, what we do is we just pick a time that works for the three of us, <laughs> Mary, Jim, and I, um, that sometime during the day, uh, dur during the work day. Um, I've tried doing them in the morning. I've done them in the evening. And um, it, it really depends on your audience. And then I see you have a, a question. Uh, you give a little bit more info. You're in Australia, which... Wow, thank you for tuning in. I'm <laughs> not sure what time it is there, but it can't be good. Um, 
the the uh, question is uh, again going back to where your readers are. What country are they in? So if you're targeting predominantly American readers, pick a time zone during the workday of Americans. If you're targeting primarily Australians, pick the time zone of Australians, and be okay with doing multiple. Like if if you're targeting both audiences, be okay. You may want to do two lives. You know, twelve hours separated. Um, Australia is rough. Like it's just a long way away. And, and I've worked with people in Australia and scheduling things is always difficult because um, y'all are really far down under. <laughs> Mary? Yeah. When I lived in France, I released a couple books. And so I had to do publicity and PR pretty much at like one and two in the morning uh, because that's when the radio stations in the U.S. Uh, were in their morning and afternoon. And so, um, and my office was in our bedroom. So that was really fun too. I was trying to give an interview, not wake up my husband. And uh, it was super fun. But yeah, you just kind of learn to deal with time zones. I would say typically most Facebook lives are during the day, during the workday. Um, the one I typically do them in the afternoon because I try to reserve personally my best mind time for the morning. So that means I'm going to be creating and writing things in the morning. So uh, I, I push my PR and all that other stuff that marketing to the afternoon because I don't need as much of my brain for that. It's not a creative process like um, writing an entire story world. All right, we are running out of time. Uh, so we're gonna go until the end of the hour, whatever time zone you're in. Uh, if you didn't get your question answered, um, take uh, go to booklaunch.fun and you'll get access to the private uh, Facebook group uh, for the Book Launch Blueprint. Or if you're a novel marketing patron, Jim and I answer questions uh, once a month. Um, but uh, we have a good question from Aaron. Uh, just go in, in the order that they're received. Uh, where is the best place to store reader magnet files? I've used Google Drive on your author site um, and a few other services, a few other suggested third-party services. I just post the files on my website. I upload them through the interface in uh, WordPress. Um, that's not secure. So somebody could take that URL and share it, but I don't care. <laughs> like the amount of effort to secure that is higher uh, because ultimately it's something I'm giving away for free. I put my branding on all of those assets, whatever I'm using for a reader magnet it has, you know, my website on it, my name on it. And so I'm okay with those spreading around the internet. Um, that That's what I do. Um, Mary, what do you do for reader magnets? Where do you put them? I, I do the same thing. I do either that in, in WordPress and create a URL or um, in MailChimp, you can also upload within that that platform and they will deliver the content as well. So I, either one works just fine. And I don't care about people stealing my content either. All right, Jennifer Rample is a Seahawks fan. Thank you, uh, Jennifer. And Clinton Hall says, uh, aggressive sheep versus liberty-minded individuals in the big sports ball competition. Ah, <laughs> uh, Clint, I feel you, I feel you. Um, so uh, John is asking, what is a reader magnet? Um, this is something we actually teach in um, the blueprint. We talk about reader magnets or what are sometimes called lead magnets. These are free prizes that people get in exchange for joining your email list. And uh, they really help your list grow quickly if you offer a good reward, an immediate reward for joining your email list. And we talk about how to make them and what to do in the course. Um, all right, Sarah Marr uh, says, that's good info. Have launch team members buy your book. Uh, thumbs up. Thank you, Sarah. Um, hey, Aaron. Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Um, 
Everybody likes Sarah Mar. Uh, does Aaron asks, does the book launch class have required share class schedules like live online meetings uh, that can't be made up? Great question. Uh, so every day at midnight, you're going to get an email with that day's video that you can watch whenever you want. And then during that day is when the bulk of the discussion in the Facebook group happens. Some people run behind and they'll do their Facebook homework on later days. That's okay. Uh, especially now that we have TAs uh, who've gone through the class before, uh, we'll be able to better handle that. Um, but ideally, we uh, are asking that you set aside two hours a day uh, for this course for these three weeks. It's not a lot, but it, you know, it's two TV shows on Netflix <laughs> that you're going to have to give up for three weeks. And uh, one hour for uh, going through the course. The course isn't always an hour. Sometimes it's only 30 minutes. Uh, and then the rest of that time for the homework. And you'll be interacting with the other folks on the Facebook group. But it's not live live. So if you're in Australia or, or in Europe, um, you'll get that uh, as well. In fact, in some ways, it'll help because you'll be the first one to post your homework, most likely. You get a, heads, uh, a head start on everyone else. You may get the most feedback. Um, so, all right, so there's some back and forth here on the questions about uh, lead magnets and reader magnets. Um, we actually have an episode on lead magnets on novel marketing, specifically how to make them. If somebody wants to post that to the chat. Um, I'm gonna skip these since we're running really short on time. Um, hey, I just wanna say that uh, this course is almost 20 hours of content. And so it is like getting, it's like going to a, um, it's like going to a conference, but getting very specific information about just book launching. If you go to a writer's conference, you're going to get a wide variety of information from a wide variety of sources. But we're actually experts in this field and uh, we are going to give you everything that we know. And it is a lot of content, um, but it is good quality content. And for the price of a typical conference, uh, and then you have to add the airfare and you have to add you know, usually food and all that kind of stuff. We're a, a very affordable price for a three-week course. Um, we have a great question from John uh, Daleski. And he asks, I've got 54,000 words on my first novel doing a first pass edit. Does this clap, class help ensure that it reads well? No, uh, this no. class is not going to help you with craft. We do have a course on that. It's an evergreen course. It's called the Five your plan to becoming a best-selling novelist uh, that Jim and I uh, did together. You can find that at novelmarketing.com. Uh, many people in the chat have went through that course or they're going through that course. Uh, and that is very focused on craft. Uh, the later years do get into marketing and it covers launching a little bit, but this book launch blueprint is laser focused on the book launch. So we're assuming that your book is great <laughs> in this course. And John asked a question, does Jim provide insights too? Yes, he does. Uh, he's been having technical difficulties, which is why you've uh, seen him popping in and popping out. Uh, his <laughs> microphone is not working, uh, but the uh, sessions are pre-recorded and you will hear Jim's voice. Uh, we do apologize that he was not a part of this, uh, but thanks uh, to Mary for, for stepping up and being the, uh, the other answerer to these questions. Yeah. Um, all right, uh, one last question real quick. Uh, if I don't like Facebook, will there be an alternate form for the classes? And that's actually a really good question. The classes themselves are not on Facebook. We use Teachable for the classes and all of the, um, like PDFs and Word documents, all of that is through teachable.com. The only part that's on Facebook is the discussion and interaction with the other students. And 
that is 100% optional. So we had people who went through the course and they never, they, you know, maybe popped in and said hi on the Facebook group, but they, that wasn't their speed. That's okay. If you want to just do this class yourself, you can do that. And you have perpetual access on teachable.com to the videos. So one, you know, you get on day two, the video for day two, but a year later, you can go back and rewatch that video. So you can go through this course at your own speed. That said, we recommend that you go through it with the other students because you'll learn more and you'll have more fun. And you can find out more at booklaunch.fun. And we really do hope that you go to that website, that you uh, go through this course with us. Um, this course really does work and you really can learn how to do this. This doesn't have to be daunting. And the course starts February 11th and runs through March uh, 1st. Although I should point out the last day to register is February 10th. So um, don't let that catch you. Uh, we had some very sad folks last time and we are sorry about that. So we, I want to make it very clear. Booklaunch.fun, you have to register by 11.59 on February the 10th. And uh, after that, the gates close and they will stay closed for the rest of the year. <laughs> yeah. Mary, any final thoughts? Hey, we have a lot of fun. And I just want to uh, emphasize the fact that in that Facebook group, uh, Thomas, Jim and I are coaching you. And so if you have questions about this, we are going to be here to mentor you towards success. And so not only do you get all of this information and all these things that we've learned, but you also get that one on one or, you know, three on one help. And uh, also the other benefit is that the team of people that we go through with can end up being people who help you launch your book, which I think is really fun and exciting as well. That's right. It really is fun uh, to go through this in community uh, where there's other people helping you row the boat. And Zach Russell, thank you for sharing uh, those episodes. So the Breeder Magnet episode is episode 145, for those of you who want to listen to it. And he also, while he was digging around, found many of our other episodes on email. So episode 72 is how to grow your email list from zero to 10,000. And episode 129 is how to build an email list before your uh, book first book comes out using short stories. So we we talk a lot about email on the Novel Marketing Podcast, and we do hope that you will go to booklaunch.fun and join Woo! us on this exciting adventure. Thank you all so much for watching.